Volkswagen, Daimler, BMW, they all stopped their manufacturing process. We see massive um, drops in demand. So even the BMW factory would be running, um, the company would have a hard time aside the car that they sold to you to sell more cars. This time, the lesson was the hardest we, we ever received as actors in the economy. Among its many disastrous impacts around the world, COVID-19 has trampled supply chains from both ends. First, it decimated sources of supply in China, then it started shuttering businesses around the world, which strangled demand. Welcome to Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback, and for this edition of our series of programs on the coronavirus crisis, we've invited Heiko Schwartz to join us. Heiko is based in Munich, Germany, and is the founder of Risk Methods, a company that offers supply risk management software as a service. Welcome, Heiko. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Excellent. And of course, joining me also is sourcing guy himself, Bill Michaels, VP Operations for SIPS Americas. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks, Bob. It's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to a good conversation. Absolutely. So Heiko, what is the current situation in Germany as we approach the end of March? We're several months into this new pandemic. What is life like for you? Give us a little slice of life in Germany right now. Are you able to move about? Are businesses open? What's going on? Give us the little thumbnail sketch here. Happy to do so. Um, currently, public life in Germany has been limited to almost the maximum. There are just a few steps that you could top up to to increase the limitations for um, social life. And it's all heading um, to limit the social contacts as much as possible to avoid any, any further spread of the COVID-19 disease. And um, that results into many, many smaller shops and stores being closed, aside of supermarkets, gas stations, laundries, and um, all the healthcare-like um, infrastructure, such as pharmacies, hospitals, for sure, they, they, they have opened as well. Citizens, they take it in a um, very rational manner, so we are not panicking. Um, and we try to keep um, social contacts um, alive using all the new virtual um, opportunities or tools that allow us to communicate with each other as well. So you're based in Munich. So the big question is, are the BMW factors operating at all? Uh, can I get my new Beamer whenever I want it? You'll get it in the future. For sure, you've got to wait a little bit longer than usual. <laughs> to answer your question, they are not operating. Volkswagen, Daimler, BMW, they all stopped their manufacturing process. And um, we have a specific um, program set up by the government that jumps into um, the um, situation by paying 60% of the salaries for those people who have been affected by those um, company closers, or we call it short work. That would be the word-by-word -word translation of this specific program. And the main goal is to keep people uh, people's jobs. So when the crisis is over, um, they are still having their current jobs, and it also 
supports the enterprises um, very much um, to to cope with that situation because you've got to pay people and um, there's no output from the factory, meaning no sales. And for, for sure, there are some fixed costs as well, aside of labor. And that is a big help. And uh, the financial crisis uh, was kind of a blueprint for this or these programs. And we've seen that we dramatically could avoid mass um, outplacements from companies that were seriously affected by a slowdown in demand in the markets at, at that crisis. And hopefully we will see same good results of that or those programs uh, in the current crisis as well. So it's clear that global demand for anything but essential goods, including medical equipment, has pretty much plummeted. Uh, you know, the BMW factories are shut down. Uh, in some ways, that solves a problem of short supplies, but it creates a host of others. So how are supply managers coping with, you know, on the one hand, they're not sure if they can get supplies, but on the other hand, the demand has their demand curves or their demand projections for 2020 are just totally out the window. So how... Mm-hmm our supply managers coping? What should they be doing uh, that maybe they're not doing right now? I think the the new thing about um, the COVID virus outbreak situation is that it's impacting businesses in different dimensions. And we have never seen that in, in such a scenario in the past. Looking to the current outbreak, we see massive um, drops in demand. So even the BMW factory would be running, um, the company would have a hard time aside the car that they sold to you um, to sell more cars. And as main China was shut down and the the demand dropped by 92% in in car sales like or purchases, which means sales side is affected, the demand, uh, the the, um, supply side is affected, and the factories are affected as well because everybody's afraid of getting infections by, while going to work and, and standing next to each other at the assembly line. And this is completely, completely new. And the, the role of the supply manager is right now to align with everybody in the company that can get a best guess estimation about the demand forecast, which is really, really hard. It's super, super hard in the situation that we face right now. And I think it's kind of looking into the crystal ball and just getting daily updates about, okay, what are the um, removed limitations in in China that we see nowadays? And could that be a potential blueprint for the nations that have been impacted two, three, four, five, six, eight weeks later? Because we are in the likely situation that we can learn from those regions how they get out of the scenario and recover and and restart their business life um, as we are lagging behind um, China as example and we are lagging behind in South Korea and um, luckily Germany was lagging behind Italy as well right so those one two weeks of of time lag and same with the US that is hopefully an, an opportunity for us to learn how to, to cope with the restart of the business and social life. What, what I think I see is companies planning best case, uh, worst case, disaster case. They're, they're mm-hmm. trying to plan in multiple stages. Uh, 
Well, one question for you is, do you think coming out of this that uh, supply managers will be a uh, be in a real crash to manage cost containment because all these companies that have suffered margin losses are going to come back and try and improve margins right away? Yeah, I think this is going to be part of the business. I think priority one is making sure that um, the demand gets covered and for that the manufacturing and supply side is recovered as good as possible. Um, because revenue will will be um, priority one, I guess. Um, with that, for sure, that the pressure for for cost savings is going to be increasing, and that puts everybody in the supply network in a difficult difficult spot. Um, I have not made made my mind yet. Um, I was just about this specific topic, like how strong should professionals push for costs and and savings and putting more pressure on the players that might have been suffering a lot while the crisis as well to the supply networks. And there's a saying in Germany, and I try to translate this a little bit like word word by word, and I know it does not exist in the US. It means like you're you're sitting on a tree and you're suing the tree to to chop the tree literally on on which you're sitting at the same time, which is not a good idea. Sawing off the branch that you're sitting on. Correct, correct. We have the same expression here. (laughs) Yes. Okay, thanks for helping me out. (laughs) So you have the feeling that some companies are in that situation right now if they're trying to squeeze suppliers? Yeah, I've just been reading the recommendations today. There there was a publication from the German Procurement Association and one of the 10 recommendations was, okay, make sure you get the short-term savings done when business do, do restart. And I'm not sure if that's an, an smart advice. Um, I remember the uh, one of the root causes of a customer of us initiating a risk management project. It was Echo, and tractor manufacturing company with brands such as Messi Ferguson, um, Fendt, Valtra, etc. One of the very big players in that market. They are two, three, four main players on, on the planet. And what they are challenged with is that their supply network overlaps with the other main competitors and the volume of their business is low compared to automotive. Like if they are buying rims, they buy tens of thousands a year, but not like millions like the car manufacturers. Meaning this market for the suppliers is a niche market and there are not too many options. And they realized the more pressure they put on their supply networks in, ter- in terms of cost savings, the more likely they are going to kill their suppliers, um, which puts them in a really difficult spot because of the smaller market and market opportunity for suppliers. There are not so many other options to relocate the supply. And they wanted exactly to find out by bringing together savings potential quality requirements, performance, and risk to balance out the procurement decisions um, to avoid um, squeezing out suppliers to death that they are dependent on, right? And I, that's the reason why I still, I have a bad, bad gut feel about that being a top recommendations for business when they do recovery work. I, I agree with you. It's going to be with, with force majeures on contracts and with uh, companies coming up, it's going to be a drive to make sure you get assurance of supply. And those suppliers are in the, uh, are in, 
they have the opportunity to be in the power position. The suppliers have only so much capacity. They have to uh, generate the products for their um, their customers. They have to choose which customers are going to get the supply. And I think what you really want is the best customers get the supply and the ones that are hammering for price increase get put back in the line. Yeah, and I always question those very generic advices because probably business have to make a differentiation between ABC segmented business partners and it's not clearly not a good idea to um, do that in a generic way across all those different segments, right? I agree. Are you having the same sort of shortages of uh, medical supplies, medical equipment that we saw in um, Italy and we are now experiencing in the United States? Different. Um, thank God we have likely one of the best medical healthcare systems in the world. Um, just to give you one example, like the amount of, um, now that's get, getting difficult to translate, like uh, ventilators. Ventilators, or... correct. That's the, tr that's the right term. Like we have, even our population is more or less the same, like Italy six times more than and those um, spots available, um, just like this. And having that time advantage of one, two weeks being, being uh, or lagging um, gave us the opportunity to start doubling up those um, really, really important and critical areas to, to support um, people to survive, literally. Exactly. So do you foresee any time soon when the situation might stabilize? This is really hard to say. This is, I think, one of the toughest predictions to make um, because um, even um, looking looking to China where the at least the government does not report new infections on on the mainland um, but just imported infections and imported means Chinese nationals coming back to their country being infected and put on quarantine. That gives us an indication how difficult it will be to start the recovery because still, even if the number of infected persons in China will be zero, meaning everything is clean, doing business means traveling, doing business means shipping a ship from A to B and someone is on the ship and someone's got to unload the cargo. And um, this, this is going to be, I think, the critical aspect in avoiding um, healthy regions not to get infected again by importing infections through trade and um, social contacts. And if we take China as an example and, and seeing that partially businesses do start operations again um, and not foreseeing for now when the economic um, activity will be at least back at 70, 80, 90% of the capacity, <laughs> it might take longer than the three months that we've been observing this situation for now. So we have a long haul ahead of us probably. Yeah, and the the um, infections were spread in a um, sequential way, which means like even let's assume in whatever, how many months from now, Europe would be more or less infection-free. 
It doesn't mean that the rest of the world is. And when we do start our daily business as we did before, we are going to get the second wave. That's for sure. So that's the most hard thing to predict, I guess. So have we learned something then? It sounds like we have. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I think this time the lesson was the hardest we, we ever received as actors in the economy in terms of supply chain um, responsibles. Um, and the sea level will put the pressure on us to be able to answer very important questions in the future, not only by gut feel, but by showing data and, and rational decisions, meaning do we know the risk exposure of our business partners aside of financial ratings and um, financial viability? Do we know about which critical areas um, and logistic players and locations are we exposed to? Is it the seaport of uh, New Orleans? Is it the air freight hub in um, Atlanta? Is it the air freight hub somewhere in Kazakhstan, where most of the air freight travel between Europe and, and, and China stops over? And um, what might be the different other um, disruptive parameters that those, let's call them risk objects, are exposed to, not only on the supply side, but also on the um, delivery side as well. And professionals will have to answer those questions in a very professional way, knowing which suppliers are at risk because of geo or political or financial struggle or um, labor, environmental related topics, whatever. They got to answer the questions, which potential products are at risk and what are the related margins. So we have to increase inventory with a clear rationale of just making the business more resilient. Where is the need to transfer the monetary risk that relates to potential disruption, to transfer this to an insurance company, like doing some business contingency interruption insurances as there are non-mitigatable risks that we are exposed to. And that's part of, of doing business, right? And to be risk aware as well, to leverage those um, insights to turn also the risk exposure into competitive advantage to react upon unpredictable situations much faster than others in the market and to outperform those companies by being able to deliver what others can't. It's going to be um, questioned um, from the sea level to us um, to make sure that we reassess existing supply networks that we um, validate in different ways new potential business partners and this is going to be in really really exciting time um, so we got to also put us as supply chainers and procurement professionals in a different spotlight and really really earn the seat at the sea level really earn it right bill any final thoughts yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I really hope that people take this and, and look at it very seriously. I mean, when we had the um, problem in Japan with the earthquake, everybody got really upset when they didn't have components. And we had the floods in Thailand. Everybody got upset because we didn't. But then as soon as the crisis is over, it's business as usual. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping this time uh, people really map out the supply chain, understand 
who are all the suppliers in the supply chain and, and really build good risk management plans, contingency plans, looking at you know, future value and, and mitigation plans and, and, cur and current value. So I, I think you know, that's, that's what we really hope people do. Um, we'll see as we get back to business as usual whether we'll be more prioritized on risk or whether we'll do business as usual. Certainly, it is clear that we will have to come back to this nightmare scenario as it plays out. In the meantime, thank you very much, Heiko Schwartz, founder of Risk Methods, a risk management software company. Thank you, Heiko. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure for me to part of the conversation. Thanks. Thank you. And Bill Michaels, thank you. Thanks, Bob. This has been Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback. Join us again whenever you can. We're only a mouse click away. Good day.